It's Good Friday. Normally, we'd be here gathered in the sanctuary. We'd be getting ready to hear the seven last sayings of Jesus Christ. We'd be here with a band and the choir just lifting up joyous sounds before the Lord and having a wonderful time in the spirit. This time, we're gathered now in our cyber sanctuary. We're gathered in the places where we live. We're gathered, some who are driving, some who are sitting by the bedside, others who are sitting at their kitchen tables, maybe preparing lunch. We're gathered. We're gathered now because we remember. We reflect. We think about it. It's an important holy time of the year. This Passion Week and Good Friday in particular, and then, of course, Easter Sunday morning, are high holy holidays and high celebrations for the body of Christ. We come together to think about what our Lord did and the sacrifice he made. And I know that this is not the place or the time in which you would thought you would be experiencing this, but we're in the midst of a global pandemic, and we accept what it is, and we don't allow ourselves to make excuses. Instead, we make adjustments. And so we're adjusting to this new reality, and we're coming together. We're thinking about our Savior. We're thinking about his sacrifice. Matthew chapter 27 lifts up a word that buoys my spirit and causes me to think about how much the Lord has done for us. Chapter 27, verse 27 reads something like this. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, the place is to say the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. You know, it's interesting this time of year because I often think of my pilgrimage and with some of the saints here at Shiloh and many people around the world to Israel. And we went to Israel and we got a chance to walk around and to see the beautiful 
place called Israel, the wonderful situation there. It was just startling. It was wonderful. It was glorious to be in the home and the place where Jesus walked and lived. When I thought about it and came closer to my thinking, I went from being overjoyed to nearly being overwhelmed because I started thinking about those final hours of his life. I started thinking about that movement from the Praetorian down the Via della La Rosa. The Via della La Rosa, the way of the cross, sorrow way, that way he went. There with his back beaten and bruised and bloodied, there he went, that way, weakened from having lost blood to needing someone to help him bear his cross, that way, that found him needing a Simon Cyrene to come out and to hold up that part of the battle here on earth. The towel, the end of the cross and help to bear it up to Calvary. That, that way where people mocked him and scorned him. The same kind of entryway he had on Palm Sunday. He has this disgraced walk. On Good Friday. Crown that has been fashioned for him and placed upon his head. Not a golden crown, a thorny crown. He made his journey. I, I can only imagine sometimes falling, sometimes rising, sometimes feeling good, other times feeling weakened from the blood loss. I can only imagine. Many years ago, my wife and I got married, and at our wedding, we were blessed to have a New York City family come down, and uh, Lady Valerie Boyd, a wonderful, gifted singer from Jamaica, Queens, and all of the family came down, and they provided music at our reception. Since then, my dear sister, who is a gifted artist, and her husband, Pastor John Boyd, is a wonderful preacher. She's done a, a song using the depiction of this crosswalk. It's called the Via Della La Rosa. I want to share it with you right now. Kabilule, waakulu, tenau kishmi, il komihiv.
What a powerful depiction of the way there. Via Dolorosa is Latin for sorrowful way. And that's the way our Lord took to Calvary. It is important that we get this and that we grasp what it means. It's important that we hold on to it. We recognize what our God did for us. It's important that each of us in our hearts accepts and realizes the gift that he gave us through his suffering. He is the suffering Messiah. He is Lord. Some time ago, um, I was uh, back in 1984, I believe it was, I was in school at Yale Divinity School, and there word got out that uh, Professor Davy Napier, who had come back for a short stint at Yale, who had been in California Pacific School of Religion at Stanford, uh, he was coming back, and he'd been there for a short time, but it was going to be his last class, and he was going to be teaching preaching. Class would be held downtown the university. And we were going to go down, and there were many people trying to get in class. I, at first, I wasn't going to take the class because I figured I could get the preaching class later on. But when I realized it was Davy Napier, the uh, Davy Napier's last class, a person who I had known as a social justice individual, somebody who was a gifted preacher, gifted writer, a gifted individual, I wanted to be in that class. So I, I made my way to get in there. It was a large class. And I don't remember everything about that class, but I do remember his wonderful lectures. He was an impactful scholar. He was getting older then, but he had a cadence and a way about him that made you really come to understand the sharing of the gospel message. It was about this time of the year that we were getting ready to do final preaching sermons. So at those times when you preached, you always had a student critique and professor critique. If the class was large, a few students would critique and then the professor would give their, their uh, words on it. And on this particular class, I really kind of wasn't really talking a lot. It was a large class, very few African Americans in there. And so I was kind of really well-reserved and quiet in class. I was really absorbing a lot. I was a child preacher. I started preaching when I was 15 years old, so I was a child preacher. So I was just sitting there. But while I was sitting there, a young man preached a sermon, and it was a great sermon. Now, normally when you finish a sermon, the critique starts, always starts with pleasantries, and then the, the pleasantries with the greetings and all those nice things would end up in a very scholarly critique based on preaching. So... This guy preaches, and he has one of the best sermons I've ever heard right up till the close. When he got to the close, it was about this season. It was about this time. It was a Good Friday message intentionally, I think. And he got to near the ending of the sermon, and it was, to be polite, the most depressing ending I've ever heard to a sermon. And I'm sitting there, and all of my classmates are giving these superlatives and these wonderful kudos, and they're just pulling it on and on and on. And, 
almost to the point of hyperbole. I was like, wait a minute. It was great, but that clothes was horrible. I feel worse now than when I came in. So I waited. And I could tell Davey was looking at me. He's a very sensitive guy. He kind of looked at me. He kind of saw my eye. And so I finally raised my hand. He acknowledged me. And I gave all the nice pleasantries that everyone else did. Gave a very scholarly review about the wonderful hermeneutic gift that he had and, and how well he had exegeted the text and talked about how he had really clarified it. And then I asked in a very polite way, but why was your ending, now I'm telling my, my nice Yale side, why was your ending so somber? That's the way I put it. And he began to talk about the sermon again in a very educated way. And Davy picked up on what I was asking, and he turned and looked at him, because I guess he knew him and knew something about him or that style, and he asked the young man a series of questions, which went something like this. I don't remember every question, but it was something like, um, what audience were you aiming at, and where would you see this sermon being preached? Finally, he elicited out of the young man the fact that he was going to preach in a well-to-do community. People who had zip codes that were to be envied, lived in extremely large homes, had great salaries, great retirements. They, they could live off of what they had and let, leave something to their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. People in his estimation who needed to feel the pain of the cross in order to identify with Jesus. That knowledge was like, you know, now, now we go, poof, mind blown, that, that expression we have today. Because he was dealing with an audience that didn't understand suffering the same way. Sure, they had issues and problems, but we all do that. And I thought about it, and then Davey looks at me, and he says, I, I guess you would not end like that's one. That's not kind of where we in my community actually preach that. And he looks at me and he says, you can't. And I said, and I, I was kind of stunned, and he said, you're talking to a community many times that have gone through things. They've had enough struggle. They identify with the cross and its pain already. They don't need to dwell in Good Friday sorrow. They need to peek over and see Easter Sunday morning. No Good Friday, understand it, but peek over and see Easter Sunday morning. Wow. I was caught off guard. I wasn't expecting that. It blew my mind. And, and what I think that is really important that I tell you now is that this pandemic has reminded us of the equality of pain and suffering. Yeah, I know about the disparities. I know some of the statistics coming out. I'm not talking about those now. But the fact that this virus Coronavirus, COVID-19, doesn't care 
if you're a well-educated doctor or lawyer or teacher or politician, it doesn't care if you're a nurse practitioner or if you're the technician. It doesn't care if you're on TV as a news anchor or whether you're the person that's sweeping up the newsroom. The virus hits anybody. And I suppose right now in our own state, the zip code with the greatest wealth has seen the greatest tragedy and pain in Connecticut. The virus doesn't care. And I suppose that when I look at this situation, it reminds me of something about Jesus. Jesus meets us where we are. And through his pain, takes us where we need to be. Acceptance of the sorrowing, suffering Savior allows us to know him in a fresh way. Most of you know by now that I'm a fan of Howard Thurman. And I've taught lectures and given classes on the essential writings of Howard Thurman. One of the things I've learned when you study his life, on his trip to India, Thurman uh, met with Mahatma Gandhi. When he and Gandhi got together, they had a wonderful exchange and, and, and a wonderful relationship kind of developed out of that. Gandhi actually sent him over cloth that he had made with his own hands when he got back from India. While they were there, they had a very peculiar interaction. Gandhi wanted to know if he knew the song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Strange song. It was a song that spoke to Gandhi about the equality of suffering and the entering into suffering. And he asked Howard Thurman and Mrs. Thurman to sing it. And there they sang that old song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Each of us, regardless of our station, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our situation right now, needs to enter into this sorrow, feel the Via Della Rosa, recognize what he did, and come out on the other side of that recognition in celebration knowing you did it for me. You did it for me. You did it to save me. From all that I'm going through, you did it to save me. You loved me before I knew who I was. Before you allowed me to be formed in the womb of my mother, you knew me 
what the psalmist says. He knows us. And because he knows us, he knows we needed a savior. And he is that savior. Those seven last words on the cross, which I just paraphrase as I close, speak to each of us. He tells them, Father, forgive me. Forgive them. Luke 23 and 34, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 42, 43, he says, Verily I say unto you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Thief on the cross. Just ask. And God saves him even in the last hour. He doesn't save him from death. But he does save him from eternal damnation. Woman behold thy son. Son behold thy mother. He, he cares about his mother even in the midst of dying relationships matter and they matter to us they matter to the Lord and in feeling that sense of abandonment as he would take that final step a little further away from close intimacy with God he said my God my God why have you forsaken me John 19, 28 says, he says, I thirst. He who gave water, now thirsts. He who would be living water, thirsts for us. John 19 and 30, it is finished. The work is done. All that I've been sent to do, I have accomplished. And then Luke 23 and 46. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. On this day, may each of us enter into sorrow long enough to be grateful, not to wallow in it, not to, not to be depressed by it, not to be pushed into a corner and made to feel bad, but no, to enter into it, to realize the struggle. And if realizing the struggle causes you to be grateful, Once you realize what someone has to go through to get something, you learn to appreciate that which they have. And in this case, that which has been given. Let us appreciate him today. Knowing that he will go into the grave only to borrow the tomb but all of us need this last little bit of hope, no matter what station you are. We have the benefit of hindsight. 
each of us can look over through Friday, past Saturday, and in the tradition of my ancestors, say early. Early, early Sunday morning. I look forward to meeting you again Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Father, I bless you for your people. May they hear this word knowing that he died to give us hope in hopeless situations. And that today is not the ending, but we look through today with an eye towards the resurrection. And it is because of today that we have the joy which is to follow. We shall get through this season just as you got through your season of pain. We will get through it in you, through you, and because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.